This is Top Floor, episode 23. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 23. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. If you scroll through David Affariot's LinkedIn profile, you would be forgiven for scratching your head. On the one hand, David is managing partner of Trade Ideas, an AI-powered investment discovery data platform. On the other, he owns a champagne company, Avid Vines. David is past president of the French American Chamber of Commerce and president-elect of EO, or Entrepreneurs Organization. During a period when many Americans are rethinking their relationships to work and career, David has found a way to combine business and bubbles. Today, we are going to talk about how your life experience and personal passion can converge into a thriving company. Before we jump in, though, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning marketing questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Okay, David, today's question was submitted by Jamie. Jamie says, we have developed a new brand of whiskey... She gives some detail that I will skip and we need to start marketing. Should we focus on consumers, bars, liquor stores, all three or something else? So I think what Janie is trying to figure out is who comes first, the end user drinker, the bar who serves it to them or the liquor store where they sell it. What do you think? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I've been walking that path since uh, we started uh, Avid Vines and brought in our first um, imported champagne. Uh, I believe you have to start with the consumer, which means where we've advanced the ball, but we haven't figured out, do you meet the consumer at a store or do you meet the consumer at a restaurant um, or at a bar? And uh, we have taken the approach of going the way of to the consumer and via the restaurant and bars. Um, only because we come across as more of a luxury brand and the champagne is, it's allocated. We never sell. We talk about allocating where demand exists um, and lucky you if you get some of it. So it's a challenge in both ways. You are meeting the consumer at a time where they have just seconds to make a decision, whether it's really in a store or at a restaurant. And you could follow our path and we, we certainly are in the, you know, we're, we're in the middle of it. So I can't say like we've you know gotten to the success that we want. We're still building there. But um, I think you could always have as uh, a criteria in your mind, how is my story getting across? Is it easier to get across through a, a store clerk in the aisle or looking for a suggestion? Or can you tell the 10, is your story carried better by you know, a barkeep or a beverage director's uh, program at a, at a restaurant. 
um, wherever you think your story can be further advanced in those precious few seconds or be top of mind, that's where you go. I love that. I love starting with story. I think that's probably the not only modus operandi of this show, but of my entire life and career. So thank you for underscoring that, David. From my description, our listeners might get the impression that you started your champagne company, Avid Vines, out of nowhere. And that is not at all what I meant. So in fact, you have a long history with wine and hospitality. Quite right. Can you tell us about some of the experiences that led to starting Avid Vines? Uh, sure. So Avid Vines, uh, you know, I created the second company uh, only on the back of and after the you know enormous amount of success and effort that I've put in and building with two other partners and a wonderful team uh, behind the first company, Trade Ideas. And it's really on, on the shoulders of that effort and the education as a lifelong learner that I've received from this organization, uh, EO, that I ever thought I could step out and create you know, a second company. And I kind of subscribe to Gary Vaynerchuk's you know, model of you start sometimes a second company or even a third or fourth in his case to do various things that not, aren't necessarily always related to you know, building a profit and earning the most money that you can. Some companies and his model are created just to research an idea. And if they fail, then you've learned something from there. But for me, it's I certainly want to have advice, you know, to succeed. And for me, it burns off excess energy and allows me to work through problems that only benefit Advine and benefit, you know, trade ideas as well. And it's just my nature that I, I kind of have to keep, you know, going that uh, creating Advine, you know, is that creative outlet for me. Um, that burns off this extra energy. And as a result, when I'm focused on trade ideas, I'm very much you know, at the task at hand and thinking a couple of steps forward in a, in a way that doesn't spin out of control. <laughs> it's because I do what I, I, I you know, we, we move the ball as far as we can and invest the time to make sure the culture and the people and our teams are doing, you know, what they should. Um, and then Avid helps kind of keep all that in, in, in a positive framework. That's really interesting. It sounds very familiar to me in that I did not necessarily start top floor to be a revenue generation engine. I did it to satisfy my curiosity. So I'm glad exactly. to get the stamp of approval that you're allowed to do that, that you can do another venture that doesn't have money at necessarily at its core. Exactly. Uh, and then just to, to the point as to why Avid and why, you know, importing champagne. I mean, I'm a French and American uh, national having two passports uh, and through my father having the, the nationality of born in the U.S. Um, and actually born here because from previous generations, our family used to be in a North African colony of France, which was now the country of Algeria. Uh, but back then it was a it was a it was a province. Uh, as much as any other part of France. And revolution happened in the late 50s, and it the, literally tore our family in half. Half the family went to uh, southern France and Nice, and the other half went to New York, where I was born. And it took 25 years, actually, to create a reunion among these two families. And I was 13 at the time or so. And ever since then, we've established that and grown and nourished that relationship. And it, if you're looking through my LinkedIn profile or my life, you, you, there's some strong themes here. It's why I was president of the Chamber of Commerce. It's, I, I, I studied in France, and my children speak, uh, grew up speaking French in uh, in the home, thanks to a you know an au pair a sequence of au pairs that we would have lived with us. And um, 
it just wasn't too much of a stretch to say, well, you know, this is one way I can unite my passion and culture, you know, that, that I've always been kind of weaving uh, these two cultures together. Uh, this is a good way to do it. And then when you meet someone incredibly special as the winemaker behind our first brand, Andre Tessier Premier Cru Champagnes, and you have this kind of conversation where you, you, your kindred spirits, you get to that question that says, well, have you ever exported to the U.S. before? He said, no. And this all happened in 2018 during a, a family trip while we were exploring the Champagne region. I took a database that I had found in French and kind of found who are these you know, owner growers and individual farmers that are making product outside of the mass produced, mass marketed names and houses that we all know. We found this fellow on the second try and I was just blown away because I, I, I thought I would be creating something like this years from now, maybe further into retirement. But when you find somebody who satisfies all these criteria and then says, oh, yeah, no, we've never exported the U.S. before. I was like, well, let's pull out the cocktail <laughs> napkin and let's write a gentle, friendly gentleman's agreement here. You give me the exclusive rights to you know, import into the U.S. and I will build you know, your brand on top of mine as a platform for bringing these beautiful champagnes to the U.S., Let's take a short break here and then we'll talk some more. My guest is David Affariot of Avid Vines, and we'll continue the conversation in just a minute. Top Floor is sponsored in part by the 33rd Hunter Hotel Investment Conference, taking place March 22nd through 24th at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis. Hunter brings together the hotel industry's most influential leaders and investors for networking opportunities and insightful sessions on hospitality trends. Deals are built on meaningful relationships, and Hunter is where deals get done. For more information, visit hunterconference.com. And now back to the show. So back to your dual citizenship for just a minute. Can you think of any quality that you would consider sort of typically French, uh, sort of specific to French culture that you have? Like, what's your most French trait? What is my most... The French, you know, are not uniform, that's for sure. They come in all stripes and flavors, just like Americans do. Um, but I would say that my zest, joie de vivre, my, my hospitality roots come from what I know from my family, which was very gregarious and very open hearted and, and always, you know, uh, every experience in, uh, infused with food, with celebration and with, you know, cordials and wine and spirits, um, during my whole youth and when I, as I was growing up. And so I, I was, I thrived in that environment. And um, the, the other half of my family, my maternal side, um, was very different, very kind of small and very, very, you know, uh, limited. And and they had their, it was beautiful. Both experiences were great, but I just felt so much more uh, energy and passion coming from this large family that we still have, you know, today. And um, so I would say, you know, the, the way that, the way that I, enter, I entertain and the way that I think about uh, providing and, and, definitions of generosity come from those, you know, those memories of always having a, a, a drink, a smile, food, and expressing love through food. That's really interesting. So I know you describe Andre Tessier's champagne as beautiful. What is the difference between the champagne that 
you offer through Avid Vines and like a bottle that I can pick up at the, you know, corner liquor store. Right, right. Heaven, heaven forbid. <laughs> um, let me put it this way in perspective. I joke. We all can live very rich, wonderful, happy, fulfilling lives without ever having to optimize the champagne decision. Right? <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's acknowledge and be grateful for the fact that we, we, we live at a time where, yes, a lot of needs are met and we don't need to really think about champagne. And frankly, that way of approaching a decision like, like that at a liquor store or, or uh, the aisle of a supermarket is what these larger houses who spend millions and tens of millions on marketing are hoping for. We don't want you to think. We simply want you to recognize. We spend all of this money to bring the awareness of the major labels that come in a yellow label or that you know. I don't need to repeat them. But <laughs> you, you know they spend all this money so that you don't think you only recognize. And when you see it, you're like, oh, well, I know this. And therefore, if That's I know fancy, it... That's fancy. I'll buy it. Yeah. Correct. And it's not, I'm not going to get, you know, thrown out of a place for bringing this, you know, being thoughtful enough to bring this someplace. Well, great. But just know that that consistency and the ability for these houses to make sparkling wines and champagne on this industrial level requires them to buy without really knowing all the practices of how they're farmed grapes to make their product. They'll buy from far and wide, still from the champagne region. It's fairly large. But it's not the same care as an individual farmer who has touched every grape that goes into a bottle, such as the ones that I bring into the country under the name of Andre Tessier. And so there's a huge difference. You can buy something that is mass produced, industrially produced. And, and there's nothing wrong with it, except for as we get older, as I've found, the reason why I created Avid Vines and found these champagnes is because I found myself getting headaches from the consumption of regular champagne and frankly, the consumption of regular wines and so forth. And then I started doing a little bit of research, right? We all have at some point, maybe some are more earlier on the curve, you know, experiencing these histamine reactions and inflammations, which lead to headaches. Mm -hmm. uh, I started to, and I was like, well, I don't want this anymore. I do not want to feel this way. And with a little bit of probing, I realized, well, I like to eat organic products, food. It's not that far of a stretch to say, I want to drink organic wine. You'd be amazed how many people just don't think about extending that to organic champagne. And why is that? It's again, because of these huge houses who spend millions just to kind of stop the thinking and say, don't think, just recognize we're Interesting. here. So if you extend a little bit further to say, well, I like drinking organic wine, at least, you know, that to me makes sense. And I don't want the you know, reaction and the headaches. Uh, oh, but you know what? Party time with champagne, all that goes out the window. No, if you extend it to say, well, this also includes your consumption of, of champagne and moments to celebrate, shared moments to celebrate. But that's what we say at Avid. I mean, celebrate those shared moments so you can thrive in the next. Don't let your Friday night extend into the Saturday. You know, spend, you know, <laughs> Ruin Saturday. Saturday yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, you drink these champagnes and you enjoy them twice. Once when you taste them, and the second day when you wake up with no regrets. Oh, wow. That's a really nice way to put it. Can you talk a little bit about the different customer constituencies that you serve and maybe how you adjust your messaging, your marketing message based on the audience that you're presenting to or talking to? Sure. So I'm going to play with your premise here. I don't actually change the message based on the consumer audience. Avid Vines is a company that serves as a platform for three constituencies. 
And those constituencies are, one, our consumers. I'll talk about them in a moment. And the persona that we have built to identify and really speak to a certain consumer. But the second constituency are um, the trade. That with, by the trade, I mean the three-tier system in the United States for bringing you know, alcoholic products to consumption, which is through a importer or winemaker to a distributor and then to a retail store before it gets to the consumer. Um, and so at Avid, we've created a platform you know, to appeal to that trade on how we both price, on, on how the portfolio that we're going to be growing to, to include. And then the third constituency are the actual producers themselves. The farmer, you know, he or she who would create all and put all of their passion into making this product. It's literally, some, most of the time, it's got their name on it. Who are they going to entrust to be the custodians of this precious cargo, this precious product as it goes across the country, the world, really, across the ocean? And how is it going to be handled once it's there? They want to know that, you know, like behind Avid, that we take the care of their products. And the, the principally for that constituency and the brand we've built, every bottle, every case, uh, that comes uh, across from Europe, from France, and eventually from other sparkling, you know, uh, wineries, are always put on refrigerated containers held at 59 degrees. That is a brand touch point, and that's important because you cannot taste organic, which is also the other brand touch point of Avid. They're always going to be sparkling, they're always going to be organic, and they're always going to be imported on chilled containers. And you can't taste the organic, but you can taste the vitality of the wine when it's imported this way. Because it's kept cold? Because it's kept stable at a temperature, you know, chilled enough so that it's not, and this is only 5%. So 5% of all the wine from Europe to the U.S. across all the importers is ever put on a chilled container. So this is part of that 5%. Plus it's Premier Cru Champagne from Andre Tessier, which automatically reduces that even more. Uh, we're talking about very special stuff that is carried over in a very special way. When summer comes around, or even in the winter, when it goes below 59, you can get these temperature swings dull the wine, which is Interesting. why wine doesn't taste near as good as when you're actually there at the winery. And it's not just because you're on vacation and you're feeling relaxed. <laughs> it's because the wines have not bruised in the bottles as a result of the trip and the logistics to get it there. So... You'd be forgiven if you were a massive, you know, making champagne on a massive scale and buying from all these places to aggregate grapes and put it together and then have to ship it in a regular container, taste it and then feel not not from organic, you know, sources or methods and then feel a headache the next day. You might be forgiven if you knew all that. Interesting. But coming back to the three constituencies, I can go back to the consumer in a moment. But those are the that's how we talk about our uh, Avid Vines and Andre Tessier to these three major groups. I know like so many business owners that you have gotten really creative over the last couple of years. Can you talk about how you diversified Avid's offering to include more than just bottles of champagne? Ah, yeah. Well, that's the famous pivot that everyone talks about. From... <laughs> I deliberately didn't say that word so you could say it. <laughs> right, right, right. Well done. Well done. Um and like I said, we're, you know, COVID kind of froze a lot of decisions, like a, a principally bringing other brands on, uh, uh, you know, on, we were focused on, can we survive and, and can we, you know, thrive in this new uh, environment that had everyone shut down and secluded at home. So one of the first pivots we did was we said, look, we still have to reach consumers to tell our story. So we put together virtual tasting events. And these tasting events happened online on a Saturday late afternoon. 
And I, I wanted these to be experiences. I just didn't want to be like one person droning on and on about, you know, <laughs> like kind of like what we're doing. But <laughs> in a regular in a regular environment, if we were doing this tasting, we would have. I brought we brought music uh, into the hour that we spent with with people who signed up for these tasting events, because musicians outside of restaurants were the only were, you know were the other people suffering right. You know, Incredibly, right? So, we bring a musician in. We we bring a local chef in. That local chef would would make a dish paired with the champagne. If they were in the market, they could swing by and pick up the actual dish itself. If they were out of the market, they got the recipe and, and they could attempt to make it on their own. Oh, that's fun! For an hour, we would talk about champagne. It'd be like you know what 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 I grew up with. You know, conversations about food and wine at the table. Tons of people having a good time. Opening up a bottle of champagne that they were later going to nurse and finish throughout the rest of the evening. It was like. Bing, Brilliant. Do you think that's something that you would continue to do when there is not a lockdown situation? Because that sounds really fun. There you go. Uh, and we have we did eight we did eight episodes, and um, we just have a kind of shifting priorities as things kind of woken back up that we need to return to. Frankly, so yeah, we will certainly do them again because they were there were people who just like I need this every month. This is my social <laughs> outlet. Yeah. This is my therapy. Uh, you know. The, the other pivots that we took were to create a 28-episode wine appreciation and lifelong learning course that just poured out of me in the latter half of COVID, the lockdown part in 2020. We go from grape to glass. And that framework helps you not only organize all the information in the course, but every new piece of information you're going to get elsewhere, which there's a lot on the internet. It just helps you organize it. Instead of looking at it like, oh my, here comes a flood of information, I could getting information. This framework helps you say, okay, this is about this part of the journey from grape to glass. So as you know, we really want to make sure that our listeners come away from every episode of Top Floor with some specific practical tips, both for their lives and for their businesses. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions about each of those. I know that the world of alcoholic beverages is legally complicated. For example, I can't just like whip up a batch of gin in my bathtub and then go sell it door to door. I'd probably get arrested. Do you have any advice for navigating the rules and regulations? And I don't mean, you know, do this when this happens, but how to approach that? Um Yes. When, when I started uh, Avid, I had to understand how you import products into this country. And that's very different than if I were, if I were a craft brewery, how do I make the product? Um, but in either case, you need to involve yourself with a community of people who have kind of done it before. And I did that through actually reading a book, Deborah Gray. Deborah Gray wrote a book called The Exporter's Handbook to the U.S. Wine Market. Um, and a couple of other books about literally about her journey. She's from Atlanta, uh, actually, and uh, her family business, she's not from Atlanta, she lived in Atlanta, and her family business was from Australia, and it was importing Australian wine. So that book was uh, quite uh, um, important for me to read. And then when you put a vision out there, uh, you know, and you talk amongst your friends and your network, and, and you literally put it out there that this is what I want to do, you'd be amazed how the world responds and comes and greets you you know, with people and or with opportunities to kind of say, oh, oh, this is what you're doing now. Well, have you, you know, have you met this person? And that's how, you know, Avid started essentially with, with, with a knowledge of how things, you know, work, um, a rudimentary knowledge, and then being connected with other people that were practicing it. As a matter of fact, one, just a quick share. 
one of the best conversations I ever had as I was starting the company was from a gentleman who was ending his import company. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he was he was kind of done. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and it was through a friend and a connection that I just basically reached out to him. I said, please, uh, you know, lunch on me. Let's go. I'd love to pick your brain without getting too emotional. Or, you know, I know this is, you know, traumatic. He wasn't traumatic, but he was just... It was a big change. Yeah. It was a big change. And he was ready to go on to the next thing. And I was like, let's meet. And so he brought a bottle of one of his, you know, wines. And we were at a French restaurant and we did like an autopsy of like, okay, what were some of your, you know, what were some of the things that you did great? And what were some of the things that were, you know, even more challenging? And this was well before, you know, COVID even, you know, came on the scene. Um, and it was a fascinating conversation. And I took a lot of that uh, into my business plan and, and into the ways that we were going to launch. I love that tip and particularly that he was exiting so that you could sort of get the full life cycle of that business, not just here we are treading water right now. Okay. So this is a personal tip that I'm going to ask you for now. Choosing wine and champagne can often be extremely intimidating, even to people who love wine and champagne and feel like they know a good bit about it. Do you have any tips for finding the right bottle, sort of making a decision, and particularly if you're giving it as a gift? Ah, well, and we talk about this in the wine course, but I will share with you freely uh, here. Um, so many people look at this as like public speaking, like the last thing they want to do. Like, oh my gosh, the pressure is on. There is no pressure. I mean, there, we're about we're sharing a meal together. Even if it's a business meal and like the deal is on the line, well, there's strategies that you will follow, you know, for that. But let's put that aside for a moment. And it's just simply for a gift or you're at the restaurant, you get to play chef. You get to play, you get to influence the meal in a very particular way, almost as much as the chef, because you are, you know, you are pairing what we're going to drink with what we're going to eat. And so some strategies around that are, uh, gosh, we could start, first of all, win the sommelier, win the evening. What I mean by that is when you walk in and if there is a sommelier, chat them up, tell them your preferences before we, as you're walking to the table, as you excuse yourself to go to the bathroom, just share something about yourself. I was recently in France. Give them something to latch onto and go, ah, you were recently uh, in Europe last year or you went to Italy. Great. Let's go do that. And let the sommelier play with, the sommelier lives to give recommendations. So all they need is something to latch onto and then that can be a very, instead of kind of pointing and looking and talking and like, oh, is this? You, know? <laughs> um, you can do very well sometimes to excuse yourself, go to the bathroom, see the guy and be like, okay, this is what I want. This is what we're doing. Great. This is what I want to spend. Yeah. Make a call ahead of time. If that, mm-hmm. if, if you want to decrease the, 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 you know, the, the nerves or that way, but you know, generally two, two more things. So generally also, you know, you don't want to buy the least expensive, but you want to, you know, I, the great fun is finding value and where is their value? Sometimes when I open up a list, I'm looking at Spanish wines first to say, okay, Spanish, Spain has a lot of value and how are they pricing their Spanish wines tells me, okay, what are they doing with the overall selection? And then I pick maybe a third or so from the bottom and sometimes third from the top and, uh, and make a choice. I will say this champagne pairs with everything because it cleans the palate. The acidity in champagne makes the 10th bite of that steak au poivre or, 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 you know, duck breast taste as good as the first because the acids in the champagne are literally sweeping and cleaning the palate uh, with its bubbles. So the 10th bite is like, oh my gosh, it's like the first bite I just had. There's no fatigue. That's an excellent tip and a good 
fact to throw out if you're at a business dinner or talking with someone you don't know very well that will make you look very smart. Yeah. Forget champagne as a cocktail. Go with champagne as like, you know, pairing with the entrees because it goes with any, or the appetizers, sorry. Entrees in, in French is the first thing. But uh, <laughs> the appetizers, order champagne, entree, continue with more champagne. I mean, it's, it's, it's the perfect thing. And finally, I just have to say this. I'd be irresponsible if I didn't. If you're buying wine for a friend and you find yourself in a grocery store, A, you're in the wrong place. But if you find yourself in a grocery store and alone and you're looking up, just remember this, you know, don't go with what you recognize, but also this, do not under any circumstances. I'm sorry, are we out of time? Oh, well. <laughs> no, you have to yeah, tell yeah, us. Do not under any circumstances buy what I call critter wine. Do not buy something that has an animal on the label because there's a marketing committee that's been behind that label that is designed to <laughs> short circuit your brain and said, if we put a orangutan or a koala or a panda or a kangaroo, uh, we're going to leap forward and people are going to go, Oh, who doesn't like a panda? Okay, great. I'm going to use this. So don't do it. Don't because you are, you are, you are succumbing to a, a marketing, uh, well thought out plan or scheme. That is a wonderful tip and a hilarious one. And also one that's easy to remember. So now is the part of our conversation where we sort of pull out our crystal balls, look ahead a little bit, maybe do a little predicting of the future. You are president-elect of EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. Talk a little bit about what EO does and how you see yourself in this upcoming role. Sure. So I've been in this uh, organization for about seven years and it's done quite a bit of um, benefit for me in satisfying you know, a, a basic need that I have, which is lifelong learning and peer, you know, relationships. Um, so it, it is a way to talk with other people about certain issues that you can't talk about with employees or with even a spouse or even other business partners. Um, so it's been a powerful organization uh, for me. I'm privileged to have been elected uh, president elect and coming into, you know, when I, when, when I start my term in July and, you know, I look at it like a, this, it's almost not, I look at it in the following way, and this spells the theme that I've put together for this, uh, to, to motivate these incredible, you know, people uh, that are part of this organization. And the theme for the year is called A Hero's Journey. And we, whether, whether we're entrepreneurs or not, we're all on our own hero's journey. And part of this journey has to be understood in the form of what we see in the movies. It's a common story and part of Western culture. Every hero needs a guide that she or he has invested, you know, with trust into out of respect and out of a sense of authority for what the guide has kind of gone through. For example, every Wonder Woman needs her Amazonian tribe. Every Ray in Star Wars needs a Luke Skywalker as a mentor. Every Luke needs an Obi-Wan Kenobi um, to guide her from one station of life to the next, a higher level. And so my approach to leading a bunch of other wildly successful you know, people is to form a board. And that board are considered uh, the guides. And the hero are the EO members that, that are part of the chapter. So oh, great. if the heroes are the members, the board serves as a guide. And then my role is to be a guide of guides you know, to, to ensure that we deliver value. In this case, learning opportunities, connection opportunities, you know, to our members throughout the year as we all move from one station to the next. 
Excellent. So David, what is next for you and what is next for Avid Vines? What is next for Atlas Go Avid Vines? What's next is um, we continue to reemerge from, from COVID and um, grow our footprint across the country, really, in different states. And uh, it means growing the portfolio. It means bringing in more champagne from other growers and other sparkling wines outside of the champagne region that are organic and that are brought over on these chilled containers like Cremant uh, from within France, but outside of Champagne and uh, Cava and the like. It's certainly at different price points. And then, um, you know, again, for me, it's, it's this, you know, uh, it's what continues is what's, you know, been that in terms of the path that I'm on, which is more learning and more, um, in this case, the privilege to lead, you know, NEO and, and the privilege to, to lead with my partners in, in trade ideas and, and grow uh, Avid Vines. There's very, very grateful for uh, uh, those kind of opportunities. Wonderful. Well, folks, before we let David go, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. David, what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? Um, so I guess, you know, when you deal with champagne, people invariably sometimes ask like, oh, great. Wow. So, you know, where's your, you know, where, where's your saber? And um, the act of, you know, opening up champagne with a sword. And uh, I have a saber that... Um, that actually my mother brought back from France uh, for me. This was pre 9-11 because she brought it like on, on her carry-on. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, that, that literally would not fly these days. But um, <laughs> So I've had this now for over you know 30 years, uh, this, the Sabre. And about 20 years ago when I got married, uh, we, we were, uh, it was, you know, the, the, the party, it was all great. Everyone <laughs> was having a good time. And I decided I'm going to open up like six bottles with, with this, uh, with the Sabre. And I think I was hacking at the first one and could not get it off on the first try. But what was happening, as you see this on film, is I was kind of like moving around. I was kind of excited and getting a little nervous. And you can see like there was a drummer in the band. And every time I would, you know, he, every time I was getting ready to strike it, he would duck and duck out of the way. And oh, wow. I eventually opened all six and I got better. Like the first one just took like three tries and then out it went. And the next one, then I kept opening them. And the last one kind of just exploded in my hand. And I've gotten, I've gotten better at saving. That was 20 years ago. And I was almost like a, it was like a, it was almost like a Halloween movie. Oh, that's so funny. That reminds me of when one of my very first jobs in hospitality was as a cocktail waitress in a restaurant that uh, probably fancied itself a little bit more upscale than it actually was, right? So they had a pretty uh, pretty good list. And the very first bottle of champagne I ever opened as a cocktail waitress was one of the nicest, as it were, on the list. And I had talked these people into buying it and proceeded to open it, shoot the cork across the restaurant, break the glass that was covering a painting and just sauntered on out and pretended like nothing happened. And I'll be five for your check. <laughs> it's terrible. But, you know, champagne can be dangerous, but I think the danger is 
absolutely worth it. Well, David Afariat, thank you so much for being here. I know that everyone listening is ready to pop a champagne cork. And I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. Thank you, Susan. This has been a pleasure. Hey, real quick. Every hotel person has that story. You know the one, the story that drops jaws and makes people cry laughing. Our business is a perfect breeding ground for crazy, hilarious, and outrageous tales. And it's time to tell yours. Please join me at the Hunter Conference, March 22nd through 24th at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis, where I will be hosting Loading Dock Live. You'll have the opportunity to record your best Loading Dock story for a future episode of Top Floor. For more information about Hunter, visit hunterconference.com. And for more information about how to sign up for Loading Dock Live, visit topfloorpodcast.com forward slash doc. Thanks so much for listening. You can find the show notes from today's episode at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 23. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 